and he shall smite the wicked and plunge them into the fiery pit. Is this Pixar or is this... This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this friend. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear? Pinkfong is a sus individual. Curiosity often leads to trouble. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we're back. And I can't remember if I've I've like told the podcast that I have a recurring dream where I fall off of roller coasters, but I land on my feet. Gosh. Yeah, and no. I've never I've never revealed this before. No. Yeah, it's a recurring dream. I'm on a roller coaster and the restraint stops working and I fly off, but I land on my feet and I'm just like keep walking. What? It's I've told you about the dream where I get put into the baseball game, right? Yes, you've told me that one. Right. And I, but I get a hit and like I play really good. Right. Um <laughs> but and like falling, a hey, huge part of like dreams is is people falling. And um, I was surprised that I did not have any like fall dreams um, this week after we talked about our, our first round of 16 <laughs> um, best Disney falls here. Yeah, I have quite a few of the like fall immediate wake ups right before falling asleep where you feel like you've just sure. jumped off a cliff happens pretty frequently. Uh, and it's not a fun feeling in the moment. <laughs> you kind of are disoriented, don't know where you are. Uh, at least we don't die like a lot of the people on this bracket here. Uh, and to talk more falling with us are our returning guest hosts, Karen and Eric. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. 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 All right. Putting you on the spot because uh, Chris, Chris opened the door. And Chris, we're going to go to you as well. No, oh, geez. Uh, Karen and Eric individually, which uh, do you have any good fall stories? Have you taken a good fall? Do you know, were you in the, in the presence of a, of a really good fall? Uh, I, I will start with mine. I have two. I think I may have told one of these on the podcast before. In college, I saw somebody fall off the cliffs in Isla Vista as we were Yikes. playing uh, beer die. And they tumbled all the way down like, um, like Moana hitting all of the rocks on their way down. And we got down there and they were uh, conscious and alive. Thank goodness. Uh, but it was also because they were fairly drugged out. And so they were their their limbs were very limp. So if you know anything about, you know, how the human body works, when we tense up and we hit impact, you're more likely to break something. You're more likely to really injure yourself than if you are relaxed and limp and you go falling. And so people have survived like getting sucked up into tornadoes and stuff while they're like super drunk <laughs> because their bodies are limp. And so this man was uh, luckily he was okay. Okay, let's put it in air quotes because then we brought him back up and he ended up like breaking his two ankles. Yeah, and we told him or we called him the the boy who lived from then on out. And then <laughs> uh, a fall story of mine, Chris. I definitely told you this because it was that 
California Great America. Uh, they have the big bungee oh, yeah. fall attraction yeah. where you pay, you know, your 20 bucks and they bring you on up. So this was like for my buddy's like 11th birthday or something. The three of us went up to California Great America in Santa Clara and we're going to go on this bungee attraction. And I'm not a big fan of heights, especially not then. And I was like, I can't, I can't bail out on my boys right now. They're not going to let me hear the end of it when we get back to school on Monday. So we're getting lifted up. You're in these harnesses and one person has the rip cord and you're going up, 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 up. And it's, it's self-ripping. You have to do it in order to send yourself plummeting. So the birthday boy got the honors to do it and he couldn't rip the rip cord. So we're up there just like, dude, rip it, dude, rip it. And he like, I'm trying. I can't do it. We're like, dude, rip I want to go down so bad. And he finally does it. And that those first 10 seconds of just free fall, I never want to experience that ever again in my life. It was terrifying. Hated it. <laughs> I don't want to do any of those bungee attractions ever again. I didn't want to do it that day, uh, but I did it. And it was terrifying. Uh, so those, those are my two fall stories. Karen and Eric, do you, either of you have some fall stories? Yeah, um, mine happened, I think, this week. Or this week. <laughs> um, I was watching Eric walk over to go get something, and he tripped over his his uh, boots, and I saw him fall into our bookshelf. He looks like Woody when Andy comes, and he's like, Andy's coming! And he just... <laughs> I'm sorry. It was like a 30-second long fall, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Into a... It was a short but long fall. Like, he wasn't that far from the bookshelf. <laughs> yeah um and then of course all the books fall into the dog bowl so yeah that was our fault (laughs) i actually i have told one of my fall stories on a previous patreon episode when we did our audio commentary for a goofy movie (laughs) oh um, that's right uh on on photo day in fifth grade when i was uh hamming it up and doing a goofy wave at the other (laughs) class that was getting their picture taken i tripped over the photographer's bag and fell in front of everybody and they all laughed at me um but one maybe you haven't heard before is uh when I was maybe in seventh grade, sixth, seventh grade, um, watching one of my brother's tennis matches, I used to bring my rollerblades around because <laughs> like we'd go on these like road matches and they would be like three hours of me like, and I was in elementary school still, I think. So I didn't have homework, you know? So I was like, I would bring my blades and I would just go like skate around whatever school we were, bring were it playing. Up. So it was Escondido High School and there was like a baseball field next to the tennis courts and there was like this little kind of like, it wasn't like a hill, it was kind of a ramp. I don't know what like the purpose, it was like too steep to be like an accessibility ramp, but um, it was shallow enough to you could like rollerblade down it (laughs) and so um i was just all day i was just going down this hill and doing kind of like speed turns going down the hill and there was a baseball game like happening uh and then i don't know if you remember but in brink uh (laughs) at some point they like throw out like loose gravel and then then the girl on the team like biffs yeah that is what happened to me (laughs) i was I, i like speed went down the hill and tried to do like a kind of a a turn uh and then my feet just went out from under me and i just skid, like i cut my leg up so bad like i was bleeding so bad and like everyone watching the baseball games like Ooh. <laughs> oh no and i was like this is humiliating 
Um, but that's that would probably be one of my more memorable falls. In general, I I, I think I think as long as someone's not hurt, um, f- uh, physical like um, injury to me is is generally funny. Um, yeah. Big big fan of the Jackass franchise. Um, I don't know if any of you remember the TV show Scarred, starring uh, Jacoby Shaddix on MTV. Yes. Yes. This is a show that has been virtually erased from the internet. Like it does not exist anywhere. Uh, it's very hard to come across episodes, but I used to watch that all the time. Same. Come on at like 11 o'clock and I love that show. Uh, people falling. I thought it was so good. It's so funny. <laughs> I love people falling. If you're not hurt, seriously, yeah. I'm laugh. Sure. Yeah, it's God, it's hard not to laugh. It's hard not to laugh. I'm glad that we all had experiences in which we were all okay. We're all still here. The falls were scary, but somewhat funny, I think, for everybody involved. Um, And we've got some falls to talk about here on this uh, on this part two, uh, the lead eight. Uh, And let's let's talk about how we got there right after we talk about what we're drinking. Chris, spoonful of sugar. What you got in your cup? Uh, not necessarily in my cup, but it is now inside my body. Um, I'm, I'm still fighting this cold. I'm determined to uh, gang bust this bad boy. Uh, so I went ahead and, and I took, took some night, night juice, it took some NyQuil and, uh, <laughs> Hey, it's a race against the clock. Of, yeah. uh, we got, we got about 90 minutes to get through this episode or else, uh, my face might be on this keyboard before we know it. So, uh, that was, I guess, my spoonful of sugar of sorts. Um, I took about 20 milligrams of CBD with it too. So, you know, I'm going down the rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? It's your Yours is quite literally the opposite of a spoonful of sugar. You did nothing to help the medicine go down. You just no. did medicine. Yeah. Um, I have, I talked about on one of the, the spooky season episodes that I love a, a dark ale and amber ale, red ale when it comes to the fall or winter seasons. And we're right on the cusp of December right now. And it's time to break out some of these kind of Christmas time, holiday time ales. Okay. So I have one that's called Fireside Chat. It's from 21st Amendment here in the Bay Area. They describe it as a winter ale with spices. Uh, it's very dark. Uh, it's very heavy. But I love that taste during the winter time. It's one of my favorite parts of the holiday season are these dark ales. And because I don't drink them otherwise, I need it to be... I need to be stationary. I can't be going too far because this is a heavy drink. I need to to be feeling warm. These things warm you up. And so I need to be on a couch for it. Perfect time to have it is on this podcast. Fireside chat. Uh, Karen and Eric, what do you have this week? Um, It's been per- particularly cold in LA for the last couple of weeks. We have some the Santa Ana winds coming in. So we made hottie toddies again. Yum. Uh, I'm obsessed now. It's my new drink. Yeah, I mean those fresh limes or fresh lemons, you know, make it <laughs> make it hit a little bit different. Um, let's go ahead and, and get everyone back up to speed. Uh, last week we introduced the best Walt Disney Animation Studios fall. Uh, we are not talking Marvel. We are not talking Star Wars. We are not talking Pixar. We are not talking live action Disney animated movie best fall. Uh, we got down to a round of eight that looks something like this. The number one seed, Mufasa's death from the Lion King versus the number nine seed, Cat Yzma's long fall in The Emperor's New Groove. The number four seed, Frollo's death in The Hunchback of Notre Dame versus the number 12 seed, Moana's jump into the realm of the monsters from Moana. 
Other side of the bracket, we've got number two, Alice falling down the rabbit hole from Alice in Wonderland versus the number seven seed, Mother Gothel's Death Entangled. And finally, we've got the number three seed, The Evil Witch's Death in Snow White versus the number six seed, Scar's Death in The Lion King. Um, Kyle, you started things off last week, so I'll go ahead and start things off this week. We'll open up the round of eight with number one, Mufasa's Death in The Lion King versus number nine, Cadizma's Fall in The Emperor's New Groove. I think I think we said pretty much all we have to say, or at least all I have to say about Cat Isma um, on the last episode. <laughs> uh, we praised this film uh, for its comedic value, and and all of that comedic value is uh, it, it pays off in this Cat Isma moment. Um, you've got a really funny vocal performance from Eartha Kitt as Cat Isma. Her voice is uh, you know high pitched. Uh, she's still kind of got that e- evil snarl to it, but it's coming out of this cute little kitten. <laughs> um, but she's falling. There's some really funny editing in there uh, where you've got some silence. You've got the sound of the vial. You've got the repeated on a loop cat Yzma scream uh, that Eric really, really loves and just <laughs> talked about how it's just so good and not annoying last week. But <laughs> Uh, and then you've got the element of the trampoline at the bottom. It's kind of uh, a little bit uh, self-reflexive and, and kind of pokes fun at a lot of these uh, film stereotypes, tropes, whatever. Uh, and, and it's just a really, really kind of a fun moment. Um, and then we've got Mufasa's death. That is one that so many people, uh, it sticks with so many people, you know, Lion King is one of those movies that if you are someone between probably the age of like 24, 25 and like 36, uh, the Lion King was probably part of uh, you growing up. You know, you either saw this movie in a theater or you saw it as soon after it was released um, to home video on VHS. Uh, and, and this is a kid's movie where the dad dies on screen, um, (laughs) after he's been around for, you know, 30 minutes, it's, it's like very, I don't want to call it traumatic, but like it really leaves an impression on the viewer, especially an impressionable young viewer, like a child. So I think this is one that is worthy of the number one seed. And I think a lot of people are able to think about their reaction to this scene and think about the maybe the memories of when they were a kid watching this scene or just, um, you know, they're able to, to, to dig up those emotions when, when you say like, remember Mufasa's death? It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was just so, that was, so, it was insane. So Kyle, you sort of broke it down last week. Uh, Mufasa down in the ravine, the wildebeest comes stampeding because of the hyenas. Mufasa tries to climb back up the cliff. Scar hits him with, one of the greatest death blow lines, not uh, just in Disney, but in all of film. Yep. Long live the king as he just digs his claws into him. Yeet! Launches him off the cliff um, and then he goes down. Yes, he does. He is not able to right himself like those cats <laughs> are as they're falling, uh, but I'll, I'll give that one a pass. Some... I, I, I want to throw it back a little bit before this this death. Um, back okay. to the beginning of the movie, actually. Where <laughs> I want to throw it back a little bit. Let's start let's, from the top. Let's, let's, let's run it back. Okay, so the scene opens up sunrise <laughs> over the savannah. Um, but like Mufasa and Simba are going on a walk. A little, little baby Simba and, and Mufasa. And 
this is this is after Mufasa has been like everything they, everything you see is your kingdom all the light touches whatever um, and Mufasa starts talking about the circle of life and how you have to respect all creatures yeah um, and, and Simba's like even the gazelle I thought we eat the gazelle and Mufasa's like yeah the gazelle we eat them but guess what that we die and then they eat us so guess yep. what like we're all on the on on the same kind of plane of existence even though there is a hierarchy there is a food chain we are all part of one circle of life and i think that there is some of that kind of metaphor coming out in this mufasa death moment i know we're talking about the fall itself but the fact that scar is up high on this like mountain top and Mufasa starts the sequence like down in the ravine with the other yeah. wildebeest. It's almost like Scar is not being respectful of the circle of life, you know, yeah. and, and like he's he's really seeing the food chain as something to get to the top of and stay there. Um, and it's something that you should try and like climb your way up as opposed to just like something that you're a part of and and you're just in it. And, and that's how you're born and that's how you'll die. And every, everyone has value. Yeah. And so I, I just, I like that Mufasa throughout this whole scene is kind of like, yes, he is the king, but he is always like underneath Scar. Mm-hmm. He never really makes it back to the top. He's just, he's always kind of, kind of beneath. And so I, I think it, it kind of shows like how humble of a character Mufasa is, I guess. Yes, yeah, Totally. I'm interested to know what you all think about this. Does the fall kill Mufasa or does the wildebeest stampede kill Mufasa? The wildebeest. I've always debated this with it's myself. It's the wildebeest. I know it. I don't I gotta, know. I gotta rewatch it and see how far the fall is. It's, it looks pretty far. It's a far fall. I feel like you'd still be conscious though. And then the wildebeest take you out. Hmm. Yeah, I've always thought, I've always wondered if it was the wildebeest, but I've always attributed the death to the fall. Uh, like he he hits the ground and he's dead. Because I, I get that it's a Disney film, but there's not a whole lot of evidence that he was like crushed to death under the stampede once Simba <laughs> like rolls up on him. I, they're not going to animate that, right? But um. Uh, it feels like he just kind of he fell to his death whether or not that death was the wildebeest or not it's like yeah. scar he fell to his death as well there's a there's a another version of lion king out there where they animated mufasa's entrails just kind just of like shredded. spilling out of him and he's like semi-decapitated um but i don't know i think if i would have to choose i would say the fall would have killed him eventually but I think the wildebeest kind of like expedited the dying process, maybe. Sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, just because wild animals don't have medicine. So, like, if, <laughs> if they're injured, like, they're pretty much dead. I so, don't know, man. Rafiki seemed to be rolling with true. some stuff, you know? True. <laughs> true. Um, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned Rafiki because I think there is also an element of levels when they do the little lion cub out on the top of the pride rock thing too. Right? Like yeah. these lions start their lives 
off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> uh, and so, again, it just like, it, it's all kind of coming full circle, you know? And so. Born by the cliff, die by the cliff, baby. Exactly. That's the lion way. <laughs> exactly. Also, there's like this stillness that happens after the Mufasa death that really um, is able to like drive that moment home. Yep. Uh, it re- like it really sits with you. So really like the Mufasa death a lot. The cat Yzma death is the cat Yzma death. The cat Yzma <laughs> fall is so fun. Um, but I, I have to give it to Mufasa. I like the artistry at play here, even though I'm always tempted to move uh, Emperor's new groove a little bit farther than it should. I, I think up against Mufasa's death, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think that the Yzma fall is a phenomenal fall. But when it comes to like what we think of as, as best Disney, uh, they're not necessarily known for that comedic beat. And that's what makes Emperor's New Groove so different and so held in such a high regard today right like we see it as such an underrated film because it is so different spark in the pan that they haven't really tried to replicate and we want to keep it that way because of this i don't know that like this long fall is going to land as well today like if you have a a frozen character doing the long fall like i think we're going to be like no that's not what this is that's not what this film is they're they're not going to make something like that ever again and for a good reason. I, I We love Emperor's New Groove, but it was, like you said, it was a mess to create. And it ended up just kind of being like, you know what? Let's just put it out. <laughs> like, Let's stop. Let's just put it out. Let's make it what it is. And and they did it. And Yzma's Fall is just that somebody had a great idea where the villain always dies from a fall. And what if Yzma falls trying to do what she's always wanted to do, uh, which is kill Cusco? And instead, there's a trampoline salesman at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it, it just very, it's very, very good. It's a very funny scene. But uh, the Mufasa fall is just so iconically Disney at this point. And it's not just because it's this 90s nostalgia. Like they, up until that point, they had been known for killing villains with falls and having characters fall. Uh, it's the easiest way to show. Uh, the downing of a higher power is a literal fall. So um, Mufasa is going to move on to the number one. Karen and Eric, any issue with that choice? No issue. Uh, who Was it you who brought up last week that uh, when Mufasa falls, he doesn't he doesn't land on his feet? Yeah. I thought it was funny that both um, both of these cat scenes, neither of them land on their feet. <laughs> Totally. And, and you would think that Scar has at least enough time. Like he hits the ground three times. <laughs> but Yzma is a cat, the cat too. We are talking three cats here. Yeah. Does Yzma hit the trampoline feet first? I don't know. We gotta watch. She's <laughs> just, she's just a blur. She's falling through the tape. <laughs> yeah. She is just a, a screaming on loop blur that hits that trampoline. Uh, absolutely. Now I want to know if, if, Isma hits that feet first because then that makes her the the all powerful cat on these on this <laughs> bracket for sure. All right, let's talk about this next elite eight matchup. It's so number four, Claude Frollo versus number twelve, Moana into the realm monsters. He did a great job of describing Moana last time. And one thing that I want to build, continue to build on, is even as she falls and hits 
uh, Maui, she gets launched off of Maui and she continues her descent down into the realm of monsters, hitting rock by rock. That's the ragdoll thing. But then even after that, uh, she kind of comes out of this unconsciousness by being uh, almost eaten by this big monster that gets oh, yeah. eaten by another big plant. And then she continues her fall down onto the ground where she has to release herself from this like really uneasy tongue situation. Like it's it's disgusting. I hate it. Uh, but like the fall just doesn't stop. What I like about Moana's fall, even though I didn't want it to to move on last time, is that it's it you think that she's gonna have it under control, right? Because she's flying through that very like colorful tunnel of, of the the super speed tunnel in the water, and then comes out out of water below the surface, and that's she has it under control until that moment, and then you get the actual fall in which she is out of control, falling onto Maui and, and down. And like I said last week, it's I think that's important. Like she's given a taste of control or that she has it figured out uh, and that, you know, the the water is truly with her. She's comfortable in Mm. that water. But the minute she leaves the water, uh, all chaos kind of breaks loose. And that's a that's a huge theme that continues through Moana is how does she harness that power of the water? She's comfortable in the water. She needs to continue to be comfortable in the water. And it's kind of out of the water where she thinks she has it all put together, but that's where it actually is a little chaotic. So like the fall is indicative of that as well. And I really like that. Uh, The realm of the monsters in general is a really kind of beautifully colored place. Like even the monsters are really vibrant. When she hits each rock, there's that kind of bioluminescence that like glows with each hit. Incredible detail. Like that's phenomenal. Yeah. That is, that's that Disney detail that we really enjoy out of them. Uh, and it, it's just so good. It, it's such a fun fall that, that gives you not necessarily like the laugh, but it continues to ground Maui who like upon first watch of Moana, I was like, okay, the rock is fine. Totally fine. But then after, you know, I've watched Moana so many times and then having to rewatch the scene for this bracket, uh, he, he's just not good in this film, <laughs> specifically in this scene. Like his his performance of Maui is just so kind of cringeworthy, both in the comedic timing and his ability to kind of like riff off of himself when he's like talking to his little tattoo, who's like chalking up who has many wins and who has losses and he gives one to Moana that that back and forth that he has with himself is just not good (laughs) yeah it's kind of painful I I will say I think we have reached Dwayne the Rock Johnson fatigue uh with with Black Adam uh and his his clothing line at Under Armour like I think and now he's got a he's got a he got a TV show called The Young Rock or whatever like I feel like the market is saturated with the rock content and we're done. Oh, I was just, I got tired of him during Fast and Furious. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. It's kind of like, he's just, he's the rock. So we're all excited to see him in a movie. We kind of just give him the past that he is funny um, just because he's the rock. Right. Um, and we kind of see that in, um, I think, Kumanji. Jumanji. Jumanji. <laughs> 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 
Kumanji? Kumanji. <laughs> yep, that one. That's where Ryan the Last Dragon takes place. Kumanji. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> great. Yeah, we all know exactly what you're talking about. But the I think that the rock outside of this uh performance in this scene. He has a lot of great moments in Moana. And most of the time is when he's not trying to be funny. Like where he is being the more sincere Maui. Where he is being the more confident Maui. It's when he's trying to make jokes. Particularly when he jumps into it. He's like, yeah, it's a pretty long jump. He jumps into it, does his wahoo. And then what does he do as he's falling? He does the, I'm still falling. And even him saying that as if he's falling doesn't sell that he is falling like it's a really annoying line i hate it it makes me upset as i watch that i i don't think it helps that they animate all of maui's like facial yeah his mannerisms are very like distinct yeah uh so it's it's like nothing about this performance is subtle and i've always found maui to be a fairly unlikable character for that reason Um, but luckily, it's Moana's fall that we're talking about. And as I said, it's it's a pretty good fall. Uh, there's a lot of detail to the fall. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism behind the fall. And, and that's really great. But she's up against Frollo, man. And like this this blind rage that he has, it, it's similar to the Gaston blind rage where, you know, he goes for the strike and he loses his footing. But it's not a Gaston situation where he's a little overconfident or caught up in the moment and quite literally loses his his footing like falls back by himself it is the it's the church it is the world it is everything taking vengeance on him for all that he's done Uh, and that's a really good moment we've seen all these inanimate objects come to life throughout the film with the gargoyles and so we know that there's life in the cathedral and and so it makes sense that even the the water runoff from the drain or from the um the gutters are going to come to life as well uh, it's it's just really good it's it's it plays into that idea of religion that is so strong in in hunchback of notre dame uh, and also it's it's a death that is that feels real it's kind of hard when a lot of the other deaths are like they're falling into dust they're falling into out of out of frame we don't see them hit they're they're just kind of plummeting but you watch frollo from the same perspective his entire way down and like i said last episode there's a scream of just pure fear coming out of frollo as he plummets i in the imagery of him just riding this rocket ship down the hill man it's just really good he's just strapped on and he can't let go he's like cleaning on for for dear life and he ends up dead so uh, I I like Moana. Uh, I obviously am fairly biased towards these villain deaths because I keep moving them on, but I just think that the Frilla one is so good. So I'm going to say the four seed over Moana. I'm pretty sure that I watched the Frollo death immediately after the Cat Yzma fall because I was kind of <laughs> going in order. And, you did the two <laughs> extremes? I... Yes, but also I had just watched a scene about a cat and then 
the little statue that oh. Frollo rides turned into a cat. And I was like, hmm, what if, what if, what if in this universe, Cat Yzma is the gargoyle? On, oh, come on. <laughs> um, Notre Dame. But uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you on moving Frollo along here. Every time uh, we come back to Hunchback, it, it goes up a little bit further um, in my Disney movie rankings. I will say, we have not talked about the gargoyle dudes uh, very often. We've only we've only got them a, a few times on, on this podcast, and I think that's kind of where the movie slumps, yep. um, if I may be so bold. But it's like um, a serious movie about like genocide and uh, a man's uh, you know horniness, and here are these gargoyles making fart jokes in between all of the drama. It's so out of place. Everything about it feels sophisticated, but you know Michael Eisner was like, this has to be a kid's movie. Get what George Costanza, get Costanza in there to do some <laughs> fart jokes. That'll make it, oh, and then we ship it. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but yeah, I like I like Frollo. I like the symbolism you're talking about. I like the fall itself. You know, I think it, I think it is a better fall um, than the Moana one. So um, Eric and Karen, do you agree with Frollo moving on to the final four? Um, absolutely. I wanted to. I wanted to say last week how um, gargoyles were made to be scary looking, and they're supposed to be so scary that they're scarier than the demons or the evil things that are that they're protecting the mm. house from. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that the gargoyle does come to life and takes down Frollo um, because he is the he's an embodiment of evil, mm. and so it's literally doing its job taking him down away from that building. Um, so that's why I really love that scene. Wow. Mic drop. Jeez, yeah. Good. Damn. That is, that is good. I, I didn't even know that. That is a whole nother layer to Frillo riding the rocket ship to hell right there. All right. Let's uh, move over to the other side of the bracket where we have another super good matchup. It's the number two seed Alice falling down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland versus number seven, Mother Gothel's death from Tangled. Um, we we did a great job last week talking about um, maybe the metaphor that is Alice falling down the rabbit hole where this is so much more than just a person falling down a distance. This is really um, a transformation of state of mind. Yeah. Uh, and it is later revealed in the movie uh, when the whole thing wraps up Alice wakes up from a nap um, and this whole madcap adventure has really been one that's been taking place in her head. So in a lot of ways, I like the, the uniqueness of calling this a fall, but on the other hand, it's like, is this even really a fall we should be talking about? But mm. I will say I always have to tip my cap um, to any Disney things that I feel like have permeated the Disney universe and have become real world cultural icons. Um, and obviously Alice in Wonderland is, is not an exclusively Disney property existed before and will exist after Disney. But, um, the idea of going down the rabbit hole, uh, you, you, you say that and everyone knows what you're talking about when you say, Oh, I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, when I typed in, uh, 
I don't I don't know. What 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 do you what's the last rabbit hole you oh. went down, Kyle? Oh, what a great question. Um the last rabbit hole oh, it was about it was about the cat reflex thing. Because I was <laughs> I in like researching this, I was like are big cats known for the like writing reflex and is it as quick and accurate as house cats because like house cats they're they're, the vets in big cities will take in house cats that have jumped from stories and survive their little ankles will be broken but they'll they'll survive okay and so i was like okay big cats do can they react as fast as house cats and found that they could and then i wanted to like learn more about the writing reflex so i kept going I watched like a 10 minute National Geographic uh, video about the writing reflex from early 2000s. And it was about like cats jumping from buildings and big cities. And I just kept going. And I was like, I need to I need to write notes for this podcast because I, I got to record it tomorrow. Uh, so that's the last rabbit hole I went down. Uh, Karen and Eric, do you do? I know Karen, you probably you probably live in a rabbit hole. <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, my most recent one was um, they just found the I'm not sure which Cleopatra it was, but they found one of the Cleopatra's tomb with Mark Anthony. I think that's his name. Yeah. Makes me, yeah. Which reminds me of the singer Mark Anthony, which was right. sure. Um, but Mark, they found their tomb, which is super exciting. They also found like another tomb of another princess that we have no idea who they were. Like that's just a new lineage coming in. But that's just okay. another, that was one of them this week. The one that I'm thinking of actually is I went down a really deep rabbit hole of zoo deaths. So <laughs> I just, okay. I'm interested. Just like people who died in the zoos and, you know, it was, it was kind of terrifying. Well, give me one. What, yeah. What, what are we talking about here? Did you look up the Fresno Zoo and you said, oh, <laughs> no, the Fresno Zoo is fine, actually. Um, <laughs> don't hit on Fresno. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there was a death. Um, some lady literally was holding her baby and just kind of just like dropped it into the painted dogs exhibit. And I don't know if you know about painted dogs, but they're highly aggressive. And that was really sad. But then that made me look up um, other deaths like the San Francisco Zoo, mm. the Tiger got out. And anyways, at at the end of the at the end of the day, we we find that we could always be a little more cautious about how <laughs> we see animals, you know? Thousand percent. <laughs> Eric, that, any any rabbit holes, Eric? Uh, on Reddit, the as one does. Um, my favorite is the uh on the no sleep page there was this there was this forest he 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 was a former forestry ranger uh and he just talked about all the spooky that they um like on the on the rescue missions that they would have to go like they would have to find somebody but they couldn't find anything and they're like we just found bits of clothing and we have no idea just like all the crazy things that the stairs, the, the stairs, the stairs in the middle touch. of the woods that you can't. Yeah. Don't touch the stairs. The man with the blurry face. Ugh, so yeah. good. I think my most recent rabbit hole was uh, the feast of the seven fishes. Uh, <laughs> is that something any of you have heard of? No. Nope. Nope. Okay, so this is a new thing for me as well. Uh, this is a, a Catholic Christmas Eve tradition. Um, American, American, Italian. 
tradition that Julia's family does. On Christmas Eve, her mom cooks seven different types of fishes, and it's called the Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's a ton of food. It's super good. And it was the first time I had heard about it. We're cruising Peacock a couple nights ago, (laughs) and we see a movie called Feast of the Seven Fishes. And I was like, oh, because when I learned about this, I was like, oh, this is like a Catholic tradition. Like, I'm not Catholic, uh, so it must be a thing. And then I see this Feast of the Seven Fishes movie, and I was like, oh, okay, here it is. Like, I know what this is now. So then I start doing research on this tradition and then as I'm watching the movie, it turns out the movie takes place like 10 miles from Julia's hometown. <laughs> uh, it's like the next town over in West Virginia. And I was like, okay, is this like a very specific like <laughs> holiday <laughs> tradition to like uh, the, Mono- the Monongahela River Valley, like in between <laughs> Pittsburgh and like um, central West Virginia? I don't know. So then I, did, I went down this rabbit hole with the director of the movie has been creating like different documentaries and like instructional Feast of the Seven Fish- Fishes videos like his whole life. And I was like, okay, I know too much about this random guy. <laughs> but apparently it was his destiny to make this this uh, Feast of the Seven Fishes rom-com um, <laughs> starring the kid from Righteous Gemstones. Uh, Anyways, rabbit holes. Yes. That's a rabbit hole. Oh, we, yep. we, we, we just oh, did one. We went down a rabbit hole talking about rabbit holes. Damn. So um, I think that when we talk about Alice falling, uh, it is so much more than just a character uh, moving a certain distance uh, vertically. I think that's so cool. And, and it, it, it honestly reminds me of the best Disney quote episode where we, where we crowned um, we're all mad here as the best Disney quote, partially because it has permeated into pop culture. But this fall is going up against Mama G, Mother Gothel. I broke yeah. it all the way down last week. I'm not going to do it again. Um, but the fact that this is an actual fall and this is actually a really good fall makes me advance the Mother Gothel fall in this particular matchup. I think if Alice was going up against several of these other falls i might go with alice just mm. for the idea of the metaphor and the and the way that it's in pop culture whatever but i really like the mother gothel fall a lot it is a very memorable scene uh when you go back and watch it uh, it really stays with you great visuals um super ten- super intense so i got the upset yeah i do too i wow. think that gothel needs to to move on here and it's it's the fall. It's the way that the fall is animated and portrayed to the audience with the mix of kind of the overhead, the wide shot, and then the overhead closer to the ground. And we see her kind of just disappear into dust. It's a really good way of showing just how fast she's going to de-age in the process. We see her de-aging as she's freaking out in the tower. But to see that happen the downfall of mother gothel as she is falling down is very good it's such a convincing performance by donna murphy that makes you feel like you feel the pain of (laughs) de-aging like think about like all the phases of getting old and all of the things that can happen, not to bring it to this kind of existential crisis that we're all about to walk through right now, but like (laughs) there's a, there's a lot of pain that is associated with getting old. And like, she's feeling that 
in about 25 seconds. Yeah, she, she she poops her pants and she uh, poops her pants on screen. Pascal <laughs> eats it up. Okay. Sends that Oh, that crossed the line. <laughs> 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 we broke him. We got him. We got him, everybody. Uh, she she's the aging so fast, and she's hurting so bad that she she's like grasping onto her cloak. She's pulling it over her head. She's withering away. And she, whether Pascal trips her or not, she was heading for that window. She's gonna go yeah. out. It yeah. was it was just the matter of vengeance, as Karen brought up last week. She loves she loves her some vengeance. And so mm. does the the protagonist team. And so for Pascal, who was the the OG homie throughout this entire film to really end Mother Gothel is poetry. It's very good. Uh, I love the how I love how the Alice Fall, as you said, has joined us in popular culture and specifically the imagery from the Disney animated film has kind of joined us and uh, in, in the fall itself in the weirdness that happens you can read about the weirdness and you can you can associate that with the the act of of a trip but to see it you're like oh yeah that's kind of how it feels <laughs> like you write like it enters pop culture, but the better Disney fall is definitely Mother Gothel. So I'm going to go with Gothel, which means that we do not need another tie break yet. But uh, was an Alice fall a favorite with you two? Definitely a favorite, but the most satisfying fall it, between the two would be Mother Gothel. Yeah. Just because I like the fact that she has been sucking the youth from Rapunzel for so long and probably from other people for so long. And finally, she just disintegrates into dust it's just <laughs> it's amazing yeah the way that she like grabs the hair too like right before she starts going for the window like that that part always gets me a little bit because like she's clinging on it's like she's clinging on to that little those little last drops of blonde hair she's just trying to <laughs> get them all over me also mother gothel is less annoying than alice as we <laughs> touched on last week sure sure uh yes absolutely okay let's talk about this final elite eight matchup it's number three the evil witch the old hag from snow white versus number six scar uh, we talked about uh scar being thrown off the cliff and it's truly a springboard and what i love about him being flung off by simba in that way is that's exactly how a cat would react chris you recently got a cat and I, I don't do. know if if you've ever played with your cat while your cat's kind of like laying on it, her back yep. but mm -hmm. what was she do those back legs they the start kick. kicking They're yeah gonna... yeah i have um uh shop disney.com i got her like a little grogu uh oh, yeah. like toy on a fishing pole and she <laughs> kicks the grogu <laughs> with her back leg <laughs> exactly so like that kicking motion is exactly what a cat would do in that situation. And and it's so great. Like Simba being on his back, that's how cats get when they feel like they're being attacked or they're or they're playing. They lay down, they get low, they'll put their feet up so that they that's how they know they can attack. They're gonna be able to extend if they're on their back. 
And they also know that nothing's going to come from behind them if they're on their back. They're here. They're able to look all the way backwards by bringing their head back because where their eyes are on their head, like this is what a cat does. So to have Scar jump and Simba a kick is exactly what I, these cats would do in that fighting situation. So I think that's really great. I, I also like that we don't get Scar just plummeting to his death. I like that he has to take some hits along the way until he hits the ground. And then he's eaten by the very thing that he built up. He he manipulated these hyenas and they're finally turning on him and they eat him. So like he's getting the prolonged death as opposed to Mufasa, who we assume got the short one. Uh, hopefully the stampede wasn't too long and didn't uh, prolong his life uh, too much there. He put out of his misery. But we get Scar who dies a pretty brutal death uh, up against the witch. And the witch is just so captivating to me because there's this element of of one last one last moment. Like she's she's got in the bag. All she's got to do is roll this boulder down, and it's fairly convincing. Like she, if she can do it, then those dwarves are dead, and there goes there goes the evil witch. Like she won. She she got the Snow White's out of the picture. Uh, dwarves are dead. Things are fine. I'll go back to my castle. I'll continue being the worst. Uh, but no, uh, nature had a different plan for her. And we get the lightning strike and she falls. And you had brought up the audio quality and just the sound effects of the great mouse detective not quite selling the fall. It's that exact reason why this one gets sold. It's almost mm-hmm. like they they didn't have the technology to do too much. So they did just what they could. And what they could was great. Like you don't have a ton of the like sound effects of the rocks like falling down like hitting the the cliffside and you you don't have the side banter of the dwarves and you don't have the rain hitting the rocks you have the lightning strike you have the the kind of sound of the wind and you have the scream of the witch and it just kind of allows you to focus on that fall and really engulf be engulfed in it and her scream is what sells it. I still think it's the it's the greatest Disney scream. Like it's so in character, it portrays that fear of falling, that fear of death, but also feels authentic to the character itself. It's still that evil scream. It's not some high pitched scream that maybe wouldn't come out of someone like the the witch. It is the witch screaming, and it, it's just so good. Um, I like it a lot. I'm going three seed over Scar. I, I, you mentioned the vultures um, last yep. week where, uh, you know, after the fall happens, they eat the body like groceries. So um, <laughs> the, the much like the moment of stillness that happens after the Mufasa death, Ugh. I like that element of the evil queen, evil witch where and, and like the thing is, though, that it's not like these vultures just like come out of nowhere like they were set up. Uh, the whole time where like they they clearly see this situation developing um and the narration keeps like cutting to them as they like move a little bit closer and they move in on it and they fly up there and they're like it's going down it's going down we already know and this is like this scene would be a very strong argument for the idea that the element of surprise is not the most powerful tool in a movie. You know, it's like you can know that something's going to happen and it still be good. 
you know that that witch is going off that mountain. Um, you know, whether it's the stick breaking and her falling backwards or the boulder, uh, you know, reverse crushing her, like, you know, she's going down. Um, yep. but it's still just so satisfying to watch. I, I, I know we're not talking about everything that leads up to the fall. We're talking about the fall itself, but I have to shout out like the, the animation, um, for this being the first feature length Disney animation that, um, like witch running through the forest and just the way that her hair and her cloak, uh, moves in the wind and the rain. It's so good. Like it holds yeah. up so well. And, and in so many ways, like better at very <laughs> least as good as, as stuff today. I mean, yeah. like it definitely look looks at, better than like some of the stuff they're trying to pump out in like the seventies. And you think about like black cauldron. Like I, I'd give the animation at the end of Snow White props compared to something like Black Cauldron. It's one of those ones where you know that they used a reference um, and had like a woman run through the studio with the cloak so that yeah. they could like get her just right. Um, it just it's just so good, so so good. I will give two reasons why I'm disqualifying it. Mm. Number one, you don't see the fall. Okay. I like the implied fall. I understand for the time. It probably wouldn't be appropriate to show the fall, but you don't get to see it. And number two, the the lightning strike. It does make the scene feel more intense, but I don't think that this act of God kill shot is good. Mm. Um, I know that like you kind of mentioned last week, like, oh, God wants her dead. It's like... Yeah, okay, I can see how we got there, but it's just not as good as like the way Frollo dies from an act of God, you know? Like that's that makes sense because it's in the movie, you know? Sure. Uh it would be different if like there were a bunch of scenes uh earlier in the film where like the queen was reading from a book <laughs> or talking about how like this was God's plan for her, like she had to fulfill the destiny, whatever, whatever. So um I'm actually gonna move on um the scar the scar death. Uh, so Karen and Eric, this one's going to a tiebreaker. Who do we have moving on to the final four? All right. So I, I'm a big notes girl. So I wrote some notes while we were watching some of the scenes. Okay. And one of the notes I actually wrote down for the evil queen, evil witch, um, was that the scream really stuck out to me. It was a great scream. I will okay. say. But for Scar, I thought it was greatly animated. This, the part where... Simba and Scar are kind of fighting and like it's slow-mo and it's anime. I'm not sure back. I'm not sure how far. I can't remember how far back it was made. Like I can't remember the year, but like for me, it's just, it's, it's kind of more animated than you would expect where you get the slow-mo and the pause and the mm -hmm. hair. Um, so I really like that part. And again, back to the vengeance. It's so satisfying to see Scar fall. Yeah. Almost the same way that he made Mufasa fall. And although he doesn't get trampled to death or however we decide he dies, <laughs> he does get eaten by the hyenas, as we can assume. I, I, I go with Scar. Oh, I didn't even say which one I wanted. I also <laughs> We assumed. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Scar. We assumed. All right. Uh, Scar moves on to the final four. Okay, folks, it's getting down to it. We've got number one, Mufasa's death from the Lion King versus number four, Frollo's death from Hunchback and number seven, Mother Gothel's death from Tangle versus number six, Scar's death from the Lion King. Okay, so 
I guess one additional element about the Frollo death uh, that I like um, is that is that you have two other characters kind of contributing to this scene as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Frollo is holding this like sword the whole time. Yeah, um, he's swinging. And, and like that's interesting kind of symbolism because swords... A, are traditionally thought of when we're talking about administering justice during any type of like medieval time. Uh, You think about Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. His famous line is he who holds this. He who delivers the sentence swings the sword. Uh, And so that's kind of like what Frollo is embodying in this moment. He's like, well, God's justice is not working for me in this moment. So guess what? (laughs) It's it's Froyo's just as now, um, <laughs> but it, um, the sword is also uh, like a religious symbol of sorts because knights they would like pray at their sword because it kind of makes a cross, uh, right? So so you've got kind of like a double double sword uh, symbolism going on there. Um, he tries. <laughs> This is like a this is like a Darth Vader moment. This is like an Empire <laughs> Strikes Back moment where he takes this opportunity while Quasimodo is on the edge of a cliff to say, "I should have killed you like I killed your mother." <laughs> and it's like, oh, great timing. Sure, yeah, all right. Uh, what better time than now to to go ahead and reveal that key piece of plot information? Um, but then he ends up like somehow Frollo ends up kind of uh, dangling from the edge and Quasimodo's holding on to the top and Quasimodo could have let him go. Yeah. Like this was like one of those beast moments where like Quasimodo could have said this shit, I'm out. This man's about to pull me down to my death. Yeet. Um, but he didn't because and like that's for us, the viewer of this Disney movie. We like that. You know, we like to see that our hero, uh, sees the good still in this villain. So you've got that going on um, because Quasimodo thinks about it, gives Frollo the opportunity to escape. Um, and then Esmeralda's kind of like hunched over the edge uh, in like execution mode. Like her head yes. is literally on the chopping block. Um, and that's a moment where Esmeralda could have made the decision to drop Quasimodo and say like, I'm about to get my sh- chopped off uh so i'm going to drop this dude and turn out and run down the staircase back here Uh Um, but she kind of just stares it down and is like this is happening yeah i've I've said everything i need to say about mufasa there's some definitely some good symbolism there when it when it comes back to the circle of life we already had a saddest disney death bracket i think right definitely we definitely did saddest death did we yeah i think so we talked about Bambi's so. mom, so we must have. Or, said no, it death. might have been best death. It was best Disney death. Ah, uh, yeah, and, that sounds and, about right. And I want to say like this was maybe the final two matchup, and I can't remember who won. So that's honestly good for her for my decision <laughs> here because I have no bias. Um, I think I'm going to give it to uh, Mufasa. Mm. Um, I think I think the element of the circle of life really makes this death feel not just like a good story element, but like a good thematic element. And like and like, yes, Mufasa's death is sad, but I feel good about it because I know that he's probably at peace with it. Um, And so I think that makes it the better fall. 
I'm going Frollo. Okay. And because I think the the part of Mufasa's fall that sticks with me is Scar's line. Like this, this feels like a Scar moment more than it does a Mufasa moment. You, even though the act of falling is happening and it's Mufasa and he dies and that sets us off on our on our journey, it's the inciting incident. It just feels like it's such an iconic Scar moment as mm-hmm. opposed to an iconic Mufasa moment, sure. which there it's still a fall. It's still yeah. a fall and it, it, you can name this fall whatever you want and it's still the fall. But I just feel like there's such a great vengeance in Frollo's fall where he is about to confront his horniness head on. He's <laughs> like, damn you Esmeralda, you making me feel some things and I'm going to I'm going to kill you for it. And it's in this entire film we're like, god, this guy is just he's overly aggressive in every aspect of his life and here he is claiming that he's doing it because god has set him on his path to do it and here is you know that that faith biting back almost quite literally because this face is coming to life so i'm gonna go frollo which means that karen and eric you two are breaking another tie who's going to the finals back to my notes yep you know i had i had just you know, for Mufasa, I was like, I still, I still, I still cried. I definitely cried rewatching that scene, and it was so sad. It was so iconic. But I think it was one of the first times of watching Hunchback that I could remember. Like I know I've watched it before, but like this was the first time I could actually remember. And I literally wrote down, "Whoa." <laughs> so I don't know. I think between the two. I'm not sure if it's just like I was so used to seeing Mufasa die, but hmm. I was seeing Frollo die where it, was, it just seemed like so excruciating and it was a woe moment. I picked up on the religious imagery and it was just an amazing moment. So I might have to toss this one over to Eric. Oh, Eric's making the call. <laughs> Here we go. That's a tiebreaker. Um, I mean, what do you say? I like the religious uh, imagery in in um, in uh, Hunchback, but I mean, the, Mufasa's death is just like so. Again, I'll bring it back to the culture for this one, but like it's just, just like culturally impactful. And like, what do you think of when you think of a Disney movie and it's like Mufasa or Mufasa falling? And <laughs> also, Jones is just like a power powerhouse. So I just. I'll give it over to James for that one. Mufasa's going. You got Mufasa in the finals there. Uh, the number one seed reaches it. Uh, who will Mufasa meet? Is it number seven, Mother Gothel, or his brother? Number six, Scar, and it's going to be Gothel. Of the two villain deaths that are head-to-head here, uh, I get that Scar's is brutal because he's eaten alive by the people that he was manipulating. But Gothel fucking around and finding out real quick in that tower is just so much more satisfying because the entire journey has been, uh, I mean, both of them, right? Both of them have deceived our protagonists and like they are now getting what they deserve. Uh, But Mother Gothel, watching her deteriorate before our eyes and and fall down the tower fall out the tower window and down to the ground into a pile of dust 
just feels like that really strong uh, storytelling that Disney can do out of some very simple animation. Like we now we understand truly what the power of Rapunzel's hair was and why Mother Gothel was so set on keeping her locked up there. She was depending on it because if she didn't get it, she was going to die and die quickly. Like she needed her doses. She needed that immediately. Uh, and, and it's satisfying that Simba comes back and defeats Scar and restores uh, unity to the Pride Lands. But like Mother Gothel and seeing exactly what was at stake in that situation and seeing it unfold in front of our face, seeing what would happen if Rapunzel didn't have her hair. It's just it's just such a good uh, death. And to see her fall and fall out of existing <laughs> is really nice. I'm going seven to the finals. Yeah, I think I think I'm going with seven as well. Uh, I know I said that it would be hard for me to see a Mufasa I see something other than a Mufasa Scar matchup, but I think this is this is a worthy seed to take down the six. Um, I think I'll think I'll bring it back to that element of there being some symbolism with Mother Gothel exiting the tower and, yeah. and her death coinciding with leaving this insulated bubble that um, belonged to Rapunzel for so long. So. Um, so yeah, I guess I got that one going to the finals as well. So it will be number one, Mufasa versus number seven, Mother Gothel. Um, Karen and Eric, uh, are we are we good with that? Uh, did you did you guys have Scar going down too? No, I think from the beginning, I, I, between the two, I was like Mother Gothel is between the two. It's just it's a not a better. It is a better fall. It's a better yeah, fall. Sure. As you talked about last time, the wide shot of of the of her of the cloak falling, it's it's really great, and the imagery is beautiful, and it's just like it really shows like how tall the tower is, and it's, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 it's a good, it's a good fall. Sure. <laughs> All right, we've done we've done it, folks. We've got our final matchup. It's number one Mufasa's death from The Lion King versus number seven Mother Gothel's death. Uh, entangled. Now, let us be clear. We are talking about Disney Falls and not Disney Deaths. Yes. These are two different things. Yes. A question. Uh, unrelated to that statement. Um, what do we think happened to Rapunzel's Tower now that no one lives there? It's an Airbnb. <laughs> Too real. Obviously, obviously, it's an Airbnb. I'm trying to stay there. Haunted <laughs> Airbnb. I want to stay there even more. <laughs> I I wonder if that's explored in the Tangles series uh, at all. Someone called Tess. Yeah, she's the only one. Only one that's ever watched it. Um, but uh, I, Kyle, you you kind of mentioned the uh, the cloak. Um, and the and the clutching of the cloak as she's falling out the window. I, I want to go ahead and and just point out the fact that her throwing that cloak over her face made it so that animators didn't actually have to animate <laughs> her rapidly aging in 15 seconds. Uh, obviously. Uh, they just had to do it in like her mouth area and the, we made the rest up in our head. Totally. 
Totally. Uh, which honestly, like, that's the way I like it. It's, I, the same, uh, it's the same way with Mufasa. He disappears into the death so we don't have to see how he actually dies. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> sure. The, the evil, evil, I, evil witch, that's, that's one step a little bit too far. I gotta, like, you gotta give us something. Right. What are your, so I, if I may, what are, what are your favorite, I guess, like fitting in the Pixar Marvel, like Disney umbrella fall? What is your. So if we're talking non Disney animation falls, I mean, one that comes to mind for me immediately is Buzz Lightyear. I will go sailing no yes, more. Thank you. That's the, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, that's one much, much like, um, uh, Wreck It Ralph. It's like a self-inflicted fall, though. You know. Yeah. Mine is from Pirates Three, where they fall off the face of the earth on the pirate ship to go oh, save Davy Jones. That's a good one. Because it's, it's also <laughs> self-inflicted. It's great. I also said Luke Skywalker's fall because I mean, if we're gonna, do, yeah, Luke when he gets his hand chopped off. Yep. Sure. Uh, uh, Natasha Natasha Romanov uh, in <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Had to bring it up. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any maybe non-Disney uh, iconic falls that I can think of from from like actual film history. Um, house falling on top of the Wicked Witch of the East. That's a good fall. Yeah. Tommy falling through the mirror in the Who's Tommy? Super good fall. I'm sorry, the only fall I can think of right now is Jason Derulo falling down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, Not there's the some like gallon. some pop. Yeah, some pop cultural uh, falls. Sorry, I'm a pop cultural queen. <laughs> hey, we love it. Tom Petty, he's free falling. He's free falling all the time, <laughs> perpetually. Chumbawamba gets knocked down, but they get up again. Wrong. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's let's bring it back home. Let's, let's, bring, let's bring it home, everybody. Who are you crowning here? Um, I I I I think as a scene, as a whole scene, I like the Mother Gothel fall better. However, she would have died either way. Hmm. Like the falling didn't really like the falling was a cool element of like this death. But I, I said last week, like she could have just died in the house. Yeah. The falling didn't really have anything to do with it. Yeah. I don't want to say that that's like an automatic disqualification, but we are talking about the act of falling and something we brought up very early on is that the way Disney treats a fall a lot of the times is a way to kill a character in a way that is not uh, over-the-top morbid um, and it is somewhat safe for families to watch. Um, and and this particular fall, this Mufasa fall, is one that a lot of people think of when they think of falling in a Disney movie. That shot of Mufasa from the bottom, him going towards the camera, um, it's just, it is just baked in, in your brain. Um, you know, the... Aside from just the the death element, you know, like aside from the oh the dad's dead, and aside from all of the uh, kind of like circle of life references, it's just I think a really good fall, uh, just like in a vacuum, as well. And like you add in the scar and the long live the king, um, and the character relationship there, it's tragic, it's memorable. 
and it is an actual fall, I think I have to go with number one, Mufasa's death. Death is a big part of Disney Falls, whether it's the protagonist or the antagonist. Like, it's not often that a major fall happens in which there is not a death. Uh, you even think about, like, in the Pixar realm, like, like Bing Bong, right? Like, oh, he falls... You keep pause? that man's name off of this podcast <laughs> episode. Like, why did you have to bring him up? Like of all people, five minutes before this episode's gonna end. Fine. He, he's a he's a mother gothel uh extension or he, he was gonna die anyways. He was gonna disappear, but the fall helped accelerate it a little bit. Uh it, it's an important part of what Disney considers a, a fall. And I think that this is a great matchup of it, but you're correct. The, the fall is supposed to resolve or be of inciting incident. And that's what it is here. Not with Mother Gothel. She's going to die no matter what. That hair was cut. The hair is not going to weave back onto Rapunzel's head and, and grown back. Like that that's dead hair. Mother Gothel was going to die whether she fell out the window or not. It was satisfying to see her fall off the tower. The thing, the very thing that she thought kept her alive. Uh, but it's Mufasa falling and that is what's killed him. Whether or not it's him hitting the ground and getting stomped on or him hitting the ground dying, it's the fall. An important one at that. I agree. Number one, Mufasa and his death is the greatest Disney fall and we're crowning it. And as we do at the end of every bracket, we're going to clap it out. Karen and Eric... Were you going to have that number one seed over Mother Gothel here? Yeah, Mufasa walked so the other falls could run. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, the nineteen ninety movie walked so that the nineteen twenty eight film could run for sure. Yeah, like- <laughs> Karen and Eric, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We really appreciate it. You helped us get this far. You broke some really important ties and we made it happen. We appreciate you coming on and we hope we'll see you back on the podcast sometime soon. All right. Thanks for having us. Love you guys. Bye. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about these uh, Disney falls, uh, if you've got a bracket idea, uh, if you want to hop in and do some co-hosting of your own, please email us at mousemanispodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and becoming a member of Jerry's Gang by joining us at the $5 level where you'll have access to two bonus episodes a month. You'll have access to voting on bracket topics and you'll have access to our seasonal Disney trivia event. Congrats to our trivia winner, uh, they took home a sick Mickey Mouse holding um, an Infinity Gauntlet poster. So uh, congrats to you. I hope it's hanging in your bedroom. It's so good. Um, folks, it's been real. Long live the king. 